Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for the 539 Church Podcast. 539 is a church in Goodyear Heights seeking to invite people into Jesus's family. If you're in the Northeast Ohio area, we'd love to have you join us for one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For more information about us, including our service times, address, and live stream information, please go to 539.church or look us up on Facebook or Instagram. Amen. Well, thank you, Pastor Ryan. And as he said, if you are new here and uh, we have not had the chance to meet you, my name is Mike. I serve as one of the pastors here. I would love to have the opportunity to meet you or how you found your way to 539. Uh, If you're new, uh, today we are in really a six-week series going through a book of the Bible. Uh, We're at week three, and so we're in this series uh, in Philippians uh, titled Better Together. And if you have a Bible, would you grab that and go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 2. If you don't have one and you have no idea how to navigate that, it'll be on the Sky Bible, we call it. It'll be on that screen for you to follow along. And if you don't have one, you do not own a Bible, that one underneath the chair in front of you, you can take that and steal it. Uh, We won't cause any harm for that. So you can have it. It's a gift to you. Uh, But either way, we're going to be in verses 12 to 30 today. Uh, We're not covering uh, verses 1 through 11. Craig did that back in December in our Holiday Survival Guide series. So either way, today we are talking about this idea of community. Really, uh, what does it mean uh, to have community? And really, how do you know when you have it and when you don't and all those types of things? And I know, uh, really on the outset, there's a lot of you. It's it's kind of a buzzword today, being, you know, in a community or having authentic community, uh, whatever the case is. Uh, So my charge and my plan for today with our time is to help those of you who might be um, at the point in life where maybe you come to 539, Uh, but you've yet to join a community for maybe a handful of reasons, or maybe you're just not ready yet, which is completely fine. If if you're not at the point where you want to jump into a community or be known in those types of ways, um, I want you to know that uh, God is fully aware of the process and the journey you are on, and so are we. Um, When we started this church, uh, we looked at East Akron, uh, where we are, and there is less than 5% of people who have a church home in this area. They're either de-churched or unchurched. They've walked away and said, hey, this isn't for me. And so we said, hey, we, we, on the outset, we want to help solve that problem. But then also, uh, what we have come out of the past, really, three years is that loneliness marks our generation in a way that it has yet to do so in the past. That we are uh, lonely people. And so what what we said was, hey, we don't just want to start a service, which we do, uh, but we want this to be a family to belong to. That it's not just a place you come maybe for one hour a week, but really it's a family that people would know you and where you are and really in your journey. Um, Usually if I were to ask you, hey, how do you know, how do you know when you have community? You might not be able to define it. If you're going to Google it, what is community, right? Uh, there's a lot of different definitions out there, but the way that I'll define it as we start out this morning is this. Community is less about who you know and more about who knows you. Um, really, you should be able to ask yourself or you should ask yourself the question, hey, who really knows me? And who knows really all the parts of me so that I can become closer with God 
Um, really, it was a couple weeks ago. My wife and I were in the car, and we're on our way home, and we had just spent some extended time with family, or not family, friends. Uh, really, it was, hey, we were away probably for the most part from cell service. We had the extended time. We just, nothing crazy spiritual about it. We just ate food, laughed, and we spent time together, stayed up super late playing board games. I'm not a board game guy, but either way, that's what we did. And we were on the way home, and I looked at my wife, and I said, man, I didn't know how bad I actually needed that. And she was like, I know, me too, it was great. I said, no, I don't think you heard me. It feels like almost a superpower or a recharging uh, when you are around people who don't just feel like friends, they feel like family. They don't just, you don't just know their names and where they come from or where they went to school, but they actually know you and want the best for you. Now, the reality is um, when we bring this idea up, there is a large portion of you who would say, hey, I am not interested in that in any level. Kind of just stiff arm it. Hey, I don't want people to know me. I don't really want to know them. Uh, People are crazy, so I just kind of keep to myself. Um, There's a large portion of you like that. And there's two main reasons, I think. The first one is you just don't have the time. You don't have the time. Busier than ever. You don't want to add something else to your plate or to your schedule. You already got stuff to do. You're working like crazy. The kids, you're a taxi driver, Uber driver, whatever the case is. You're all over the place, and you got stuff to do. You got stuff to do, so you don't have the time for that stuff. Maybe you thought you did. Or the second reason, which I think is the reason we don't make the time, is you have a bad experience. Maybe you opened up one time and someone treated you very badly, or uh, you tried to maybe get to know someone and they wanted nothing to do with you in a church, or whatever the case is. You had a bad experience, and so on the outset, you would say, hey, I'm not interested. I, I, I don't really want anything Uh, I I don't want any part of that. I don't want anything to do with that. But really, I believe that God has something special for you and for us. When we cross the path of just, hey, someone knowing something about me and you knowing something about someone else, and you step into a community or a family of faith. Because community does a few different things, and I'll say it this way. Community reveals what we're unable to see. Really, um, you and I, all of us collectively, you could raise your hand. You have, and I have, what is called a blind spot. Um, We have blind spots. Now, some of you would claim to know your blind spots. Once you claim to know them, they are no longer blind spots, okay? So when you're like, I know my blind spots, you you don't. So that's a part of what (laughs) the point is a blind spot. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I was sitting down with a pastor friend of mine, and he, you know, started talking to me and sharing with me, and he asked me the question, hey, how often uh, do you confess sin and who do you confess sin to? I was like, that's an old question, bro. Uh, and I think every pastor should have a pastor. So I have a pastor. I have a good, uh, close pastor friend of mine. And he said, hey, how often? I said, honestly, about once a quarter. Once a quarter, I get together with this guy. And he said, hey, I don't know about you, but I don't think that's enough. And I was like, how much is enough? Right? Uh, but really, and I think he was absolutely right. But I wasn't able to see that until someone else would tell me. Now, here is what is true for you and I. Community are people who are for you and they're with you. Really, they they want the best for you. And as we're going to jump into this passage uh, in verses 12 to 30, we're going to look at four different things and how community develops, what it looks like, how do you know when you have it, how do you not have it, and what are you going to do if you're like, hey, I don't care about any of that stuff. So we're going to talk to a large portion of us today, hopefully. The first point I have is this. Community is possible because of God. In the first page of the Bible, God says this. Let us make man in our image. 
meaning that God lives in relationship within himself in the Trinity, meaning God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they are in a community and they seek to develop community inst among us. So here's what it says in Philippians 2, 12 to 13. He says this, therefore, my beloved brother, or my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So this guy writing the letter, he's writing back to them. He is in a prison cell, and he's saying, hey, when I was with you, you guys were doing well. You guys were walking with God. You're pleasing God. Now that I've left, in my absence, continue to live this way. And then he says what we would call a trouble text. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So last week, last week, we talked about the idea of eternal security. We talked about this idea, once saved, always saved. There was a good portion of, amen, you know, we, we believe that. There was a good portion of, hey, I don't, I don't really believe that. There's a good portion of folks, I don't know if I would land where that, what that teaching is. Now, here's what I would like to say. If you ever disagree with what is being taught uh, or what we are teaching from the Bible, if you would ever disagree, um, you are allowed to call this place family. If there's ever things that are happening where you're like, hey, I don't really land there, I don't really understand that, you can still call this place family. Family can disagree. That's actually one of the distinctions of a true family is that you have different personalities, beliefs, and you kind of bring them all together. I think that's what Jesus did with his followers. So if you disagree, that is okay if you're in a process of learning and finding out what the Bible says. But then he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There's a portion of you who do not believe once saved, always saved. And really, there's two main reasons why. Number one, you would know someone who walked with God for a portion of their life, maybe five years, 10 years, 20 years, and then they walked away from God. What about that person? Is that person actually saved? Or the other one is this. There are people who maybe live with very public sins from your perception, hey, at what level is that person saved? Or, you know, you try, to, you try to figure all those things out. And here's what he's saying. Work out your own salvation. Meaning this, hey, don't worry about your neighbor. Don't worry about your brother. Don't worry about your cousin. Don't worry about, you know, whatever the case is. He says, hey, evaluate yourself. That you would examine yourself. And here's what is true. You and I cannot, cannot work ourselves into God saving us. Because the standard is not your neighbor, the standard's not your dad, it's not your mom, it's not your cousin, it's not any of those people, the standard is God. And so what he's saying this, hey, work out your salvation in fear and trembling, meaning examine, examine yourself. And here's the crazy part about this, it brings up God's oversight and man's response. He's saying, hey, work it out, it is God who works in you. And really, I'll say it this way, working for God is proof that God has worked in you. He says this in the first chapter, hey, he who began a good work in you, meaning God is the one who started it. The Bible says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You're God's masterpiece, meaning he looks at us and he's got a plan and purpose for your life. He's teaching, hey, faith without works is dead. You don't try to muster up works because there's not a work that you and I can do to earn God's love. It's his love for us in receiving him that produces works. Really, I'll say this way. Community happens because God says, I love you, and I'm going nowhere. 
This is where it truly develops. Because you would become close to someone, or maybe in a marriage or in a family situation, uh, when someone says, hey, regardless of what your life looks like, I'm going nowhere. So God looks at us and says, hey, I know you're a mess. I know you don't have your life together. I know you're imperfect, but guess what? I love you anyway. You can't, you can't earn his love. And here's how you should think about it. The people that you love in life are not people that have done the most for you. You don't love your spouse with an unconditional love because they finally did the dishes. You don't love your kids because they finally did what you told them to do. You love your kids, why? Because they are your kids. You love your spouse with an unconditional love, not based on performance, because once someone has to earn your love, it is no longer called love. It's no longer that. This morning, uh, it was around 6.30, I'm going over this message for today. Usually around the same time, same place every week. And for some random reason, my daughter comes busting through my office, so excited to see me. I'm like, what are you doing up right now? I got stuff I'm you know, trying to get ready. And uh, I told her, I said, hey, Kinsley, do you know what today is? No. I said, it's Sunday. We're going to church today. You know what that means? She's like, donuts? I was like, yes. Yes, there will be a donut for you. But then I said, no, you want to know what that means? It's church. And you know what we do at church? And she said, what? I said, we tell people that God loves them. And we remind those who have forgotten that God loves them. And she looked at me and she said, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible. Bible. Yeah, some of you had no Bible. And she started singing the song. And I was like, yes, we've passed barriers of you know, loving God. So here's what's true. Um, community is possible because God looks at us and says, hey, regardless of your performance, regardless if you work it out, regardless if you clean yourself up, regardless if you have this figured out, regardless if you're perfect, I love you and I'm going nowhere. That's where true community with God will develop. Number two, community is an invitation for others. Community is an invitation for others. And really in this book or in this letter, in the first chapter, uh, the Apostle Paul, the writer, was challenging, hey, amongst yourselves, you need to get along. You need to have, not have selfish ambition. You need to not look just for your own things, but amongst yourself, amongst the church, you guys need to get along. And now he shifts, and he's going to say, hey, it's not just for yourselves, but this community, this idea that God's writing, it, it's, a, it's an invitation for other people. And so we'll look at it in verses 14 to 18. He says this, do all things without grumbling or disputing. That right there, we could just call it a wrap and go home. The challenge is that, hey, don't complain, don't grumble, don't whine, don't moan. Hey, do all things. And in the Greek, you wonder what all things means? Everything. Oh, everything. You got it. Just put it under that, that umbrella. Here's, here's what's true. We are, by nature, people who complain. There's always something we don't have. There's something that we want. We're comparing. We can't be thankful. It happens naturally when we start to see what we don't have and what God has given us we're not thankful for. And here is what, uh, probably a year and a half ago, um, my wife, every so often, she'll just lay the wood, okay? And it's not like her personality, but very randomly, she'll just say something, and I'm like, oh. Um, a year and a half ago, we're starting this process on the church planting journey for us. And we're in the car, and I was whining and moaning about something. You know, I'm like, I can't believe this and this and this. And I started complaining. And I guess, I didn't know this, but I was developing this like daily habit with her. 
of just like complaining about this particular situation. And finally, she looked at me in the car and she was like, hey, hey, you know what? Um, you're, you're the leader and it's about time you start acting like it. I was like, how dare you, woman? You know, uh, that's, that's, not what, that's not what happened. I, I looked at her and I was like, hey, hey, you're absolutely right. And whenever she does it, I just know, hey, it's time to start doing things without grumbling or disputing. And he goes on to say this, and this is what's crazy. For those of you who are like, hey, um, I, I'm not good at being a light. I'm not good at maybe sharing my faith. He's going to give the distinction. Those who don't complain or grumble, they are lights for God. You want to stand out in just an incredible way? Stop complaining. You want to stand out? Just, I mean, be totally different from everyone else. Just be thankful and see the good things in life. Here's what he says. Here's how. Here's why. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Jesus said this to his followers. Hey, they, meaning those outside the church, they will know you by your love. They're, that's how they're going to know. That's how they're going to know you follow God. Not if you build a bunker and hide. Not if you complain. Not if you finally get your way. Not if you're the loudest. Not if you argue the most and win all the arguments. He says, hey, here's how the world's going to know if you love for one another. And here's what, the way that I'll say it today. Being a light requires us to be in the world while holding fast to the word. So what doesn't need to happen, we'll talk in a second, is that we would pull back and get really scared. He's saying, hey, the, the world is crooked and twisted, and guess what? It's going to get weirder. That's really what the Bible talks about quite a bit. It's not going to become more like God's people. Here's what happens. We, we go, if we're going to be a light, it says, it says lights in the world or shine like stars that you would be in the world. It says holding fast to the word of life. And it's not that uh, you, you need to believe this. There's, there's no need to compromise. There's no need to. Because God, he'll do his thing and his word will remain steadfast. Our job is to hold fast to the word and step into the world. That's the only call I think God has for us here. Hey, he's saying my life is being poured out. I'm giving all that I have for this and I'm not running away. I'm actually running too. And here's why. Spiritual, uh, spiritual loneliness is a problem Isolation from the world won't solve anything. Spiritual loneliness is just an epidemic on the run. Um, people are more lonelier than they've ever been. They don't know anyone. No one knows them. You follow a lot of people. You might text a lot of people. People might know where you go to, went to school, where you go to church, but no one truly knows them. People live disconnected from God and each other more than ever today. We believe we have to clean ourselves up. We have to act the right way. We have to do all the right things, and then we can Spiritual loneliness is huge right now. It's huge. Isolation from the world doesn't solve anything. If you pull back and say, hey, it's, it's crooked and twisted, it's weird, it's, I don't know, we should just isolate ourselves. That's not what at all he's saying. He's saying actually step into it and hold fast to the word that you would be a light, that really the darkness, the darker it gets, guess what? The brighter a light should shine. And really the only caution you and I should have in this idea of being a church who emphasizes family and community, the caution is this. Here's what happens. Here's how it plays out. A church will start to feel like a family. 
People will get connected. They'll start to know each other. People will know you. And the stronger that pool comes, guess what the, the negative is? That it becomes a click. That it becomes when you came, who's doing what, when did, did you come when it started, did you come after it started, all, all those types of things. And the stronger a community comes, the doors will start to close when really the meaning is, hey, that you should remain open-handed. And I, I don't know how any of you grew up, most of you. I grew up in a very, very, I'm trying to think of the word, um, my parents were like off the charts hospitable, okay? Uh, meaning there would be random people who showed up at our house at any time. And I mean on significant days. It'd be like Christmas. And my dad like met someone at the gym and they were like at our house. I'm like, what's your name, man? Uh, it just, it, it was this idea of, hey, you are welcomed in. And I'll say it this way, that others can join family dinner without yet being family. Really, that's the idea I think that Paul is teaching here in really the Bible that we see that, hey, when you start to develop a family, the caution is not that you think you're better than or separate from, but that you remain always open-handed and open-doored. Hey, there's always a seat for you. That family, that others can join the family dinner without yet being family, that's the call he's giving them to. The community is available for others. Now, I am fully aware, some of you might say, hey, I'm not ready for that. I want no part of that. Um, I'm actually on a different journey right now, and I'm just glad that I walked in the door. And I would say, so are we and so is God, that he's patient with you and us in the process, that it's not that you become your whole self when you finally uh, get to have community. That is a process of God developing us, but it's open to others, and we need to remain that way as well. Number three, community comes from those who care what we'll do is we're going to look at two guys. He's going to bring up their names. And two guys who have a reputation, and they have really this idea about them where they're caring for other people. And you need to remember, the guy who's writing this letter, he's in a jail cell. He's in the negative. Things are not going well. So what he says is, hey, I'm going to send these two individuals back to you, and here's how this plays out. So verses 19 to 24 say this. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that, I, that shortly I myself will come also. So here's what he says. There is this guy named Timothy um, who is with him, and he's saying, hey, I would like to send him to you. There is a selfish thread in this church. This happened thousands of years ago. There's not a lot of selfish people in church today. This is just back then. That's a joke you can laugh. Uh, so what he's saying is, hey, there's some people who only care about themselves. Their reputation, they, it's only for them. He's saying, hey, there's others who are just concerned about themselves. Timothy is concerned about others. He has a proven worth. I wish we had the time to talk about his history. Uh, his, parent, his grandma led him to Christ. He's at a church uh, serving there. He's serving God. He's giving attention. He's being told to remain where he is, all these types of things. But here's the, the charge or the challenge for us. Could your name or my name be inserted? Could someone say, hey, I know no one like fill in your name who will be genuinely concerned for others? That reputation takes a lot of time, we'll talk a second, and consistency, but, but could your name be inserted? Could my name be inserted? Hey, I know no one else like them. 
who will be genuinely concerned for others at their core. And here is what a church family consists of. A church family consists of those who need help and those who can help. When you walk in the doors, or depending on how long you've been here, if it's your first Sunday or first time in a while, whatever the case is, you come in either saying, hey, I need help. I'm, I'm looking for God. I'm searching. My life's a disaster. I don't know really where to turn. That's why I came to church. Maybe, maybe you're in that camp. There's another camp of you would say, hey, I'm actually doing pretty well. Things are going good. I feel strong. I feel like I'm walking with the Lord. There's this balance beam in church where those who can help and those who need help. What God calls the church to be is this. Hey, if you need help, you need to let us know. Because what happens is this, and it's very heartbreaking. I'll hear from folks, hey, I tried church, I tried this, I tried coming, and no one helped me. And I'll have to respond, did you let anyone know you needed help? If there's a funeral we never attended, if there's a phone call we never called, if there's a text we never sent, hey, did you let us know we need, we can't help unless you let someone know. And the charge for the rest of us is, hey, when you come in or when you go to group or you try to get connected, what's your mindset? It's often, uh, if you're like most people, you'll come in and you're like, what do you got for me? What are we eating? Who's going to talk to me? This is weird until someone approaches me, (laughs) which there's a season of that. I totally get that. But there's some of us, the challenge you need to hear today is, hey, when you, come, when you walk in, who can I encourage? Who can I care for? Who can I pray for? What does that look like? Now, I want to talk about our man, Timothy, for a second. I'm not going to call him Timothy. I'm going to call him Tim. Because if your name is Timothy, people call you Tim. So let's talk about it. Tim got his reputation for caring for, for, from his attention, his empathy, and his consistency. <sighs> Giving someone attention today is like beyond foreign. It's, it's very hard. And I'm not talking in a conversation. I'm talking over time. Being there for them. It's attention. It's empathy. Not just caring about your selfish needs or wants, but it's actually feeling a deep emotion for the other person's needs. Saying, hey, I am bothered by this. I want to help them, not for my sake, but for them. And it's consistency. Meaning, hey, it's not 24-7. It's not like you need to feel this massive burden that if you don't, you know, be, you know give someone attention every second of every day, they're going to, you know, it's not any of that. It's, hey, consistency, meaning week over week, month over month, year over year, you're there. Meaning you're there. Hey, when you need and if you need, I am here. If you want to have a reputation of caring for others, you give someone attention, you give empathy, you care, and consistency. Number four, community develops when you need help. And this is by far, uh, I think, where a lot of us would land or where we need to focus for a little bit. Because we often think that community develops among us or friendships develop when you finally have it all together. When you're like, hey, I'm finally at a point where, where I can, I stopped doing this so I can jump in. I started doing this so now I can come to church and tell people where my life is. It doesn't develop from there. It actually is something completely different. We'll look at verses 25 to 30. It says this, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. That is a name you can only pronounce if you practice and use the Bible app. Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. These five things is his reputation. Hey, he's a brother, he's a worker, he's a soldier, he's a messenger, he's a minister. Hey, he has this reputation, this guy. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. 
Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him. If we had the time, if we had the time, I should probably do a series at some point or a message, how does God heal people? Is it faith? Is it prayer? Is it a mystery? How, does, how is someone sick near to death and then God heals them? Is it when they're outside of God's will, outside of God's will? I'll just leave a, a hook there and say, someday, come back soon. Either way, God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. This guy, Epaphroditus, we'll see in a couple weeks. There's a thing about him where he's at Philippi, he's at this church. He hears that Paul's in prison. They take an offering and a tithe. He takes the money, takes it to Paul. And while he is there, the apostle Paul is sick and Epaphroditus is sick. They both get sick. And often we think, we think that we can't step in really until we get our lives together or until we're actually physically well. The Apostle Paul was in a physical deficit. I mean, he's sick, his, his buddy is sick, and what he says is this, hey, in the midst of our sickness, in the midst of our deficit spiritually, we are going to send, we're going to send to solve a spiritual issue, which is unity, and an emotional one, which is anxiety. He talks about it in chapter four. So here is the question I want us to ask. Does our arrival bring anxiety or heal others? You know the person, we talked for a second last week, they walk in the room and your chest is like, you know, and you're like, oh, you start like not breathing well when you see them or their name pops up on the text or whatever the case is. When you walk into a room or you walk into a situation, do you bring anxiety or peace? Are you the type of person who says, hey, we should trust God? I think this is going to work out very well. It's what he does. He always works out terrible situations. We must pray. Let's pray. This is, going to be, this is going to go very well. Are you the type of person who walks in and you're like, this is really bad for everybody, like right now. Everyone should hide and run. Right. Uh, what, what type of arrival? Because what Paul says is this, hey, because I'm sending him to you, I'm less anxious. I trust him. I trust how he's going to care for you. I trust what he's going to do. I trust him. And the question you and I asking ourselves is this, could you be sent? Or who could you send? What, what type of reputation and caring do you bring? Are you the type of person who brings peace? Or are you just causing anxiety? Really, we should ask ourselves this question. I want to say it this way. Is we believe the lie that we can't join in until we clean up. It does, it's weird, it's weird how this lie the devil just, I mean, pounds into our heads. I could say this every Sunday for the rest of my life, and a lot of us will be tempted to believe it Monday every time, that until you get your life together, that until you get, you can't come to church, you can't join in community until you finally, finally know the big number and the little number, whatever that is, until you can finally pronounce a Bible character, until you uh, stop doing things and then you can step in, until you start living a certain way, you, you'll believe that lie and the devil just runs that through your brain day in and day out. Really, when we started this church, we said that we were a hospital, meaning you come in limping, broken, not believing the same stuff, kind of struggling day in and day out, inconsistent, anxious as a mess, not believing that God loves you, thinking God's abandoned you, the church will, assuming the worst, assuming the worst. You've been hurt, you've been burned, all that type of stuff. 
all that type of stuff. You believe, hey, I need to clean my life up first. If anyone knew all the parts about me, they would run and hide. You believe that lie. It's very tempting. It's very tempting. And it's very, very spiritual. Very spiritual. So what this, this, what's happening in this passage is this. Hey, when I am weak, then he is strong. Amen. That power is perfected in weakness. That this community or call that we're giving to, to all of us as a church is this. Hey, that's how you're supposed to come. You come broken, you come hurting, you come not really knowing what you believe or what about this, blah, blah, blah. That, that's how you're supposed to come. That's what God expects. He anticipates it. He sets it up that way so that you would find healing and hope and all of this in there. You don't, you don't try to join in when you clean up because if you wait till you think you've cleaned up to join in, there's no way community will be developed. Right. You'll come having everything worked out, everything together. You don't need it. You, you've, you've pulled yourself up. You did it. You don't need God. You don't need others. You, you were smart. You were wise. You had the money. You had the resources. You had the connections, right? All of that happens. And God says, no, 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 no. I want you to come when you would assume, assume everyone would run. And God says, hey, I love you, and I'm going nowhere. That's when community develops. It says in Psalm 68, 5 through 6, he is a fatherless to the fatherless. God places the lonely in a family. That's just like our God. He takes the lonely, messed up people, and he says, hey, what you need is you need a family. You need a spiritual one. You need one that can care for you, that's not concerned about themselves, but they're concerned about your spiritual well-being. Some of you have never viewed God as a good father, patient and loving. He is a good, patient father, and he cares for you. He cares for you. And he takes those of us where you feel extremely lonely. In the depths of your heart and mind, there's just this anxiety around all of that. And he's saying, hey, why don't, why don't you give community a try? I'm going to take lonely people and I'm going to place them in a family. Let me read this quote to you. Uh, it's a pastor from Dietrich. His name is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He actually died in 1946 fighting against Hitler and his regime. And if that's a way you want to go, I think that's an awesome way to go. And in his book, Life Together, he says this. Whoever cannot be alone should beware of community. Such people will only do harm to themselves and to the community. Alone you stood before God and when God called you. Alone you had to obey the voice of God. And alone you will take up your cross. Alone you will pray and alone you will die. And alone you will give an account to God. You cannot avoid yourself. For it is precisely God who has singled you out. But the reverse is also true. Whoever cannot stand being in community should beware of being alone. You are called in the, into the community of faith. The call was not meant for you alone. You are not alone. Even when you die, if you neglect the community of other Christians, you reject the call of Jesus, and thus your being alone can only be harmful to you. That is the call, that as alone we become followers of Christ, we're called into a community of faith. Would you stand as I pray for us? Heavenly Father, we thank you for Philippians chapter 2. We thank you, Jesus, the call that you give to us, how personal it is. But Lord, even the aspect of you calling us into community, I pray that we would be challenged and reminded, God, that you see every bit of us. 
and yet you love us. God, I pray for those who are maybe on the fringes of wanting to get plugged in and they're scared to death and it's, it's going to be messy and probably going to let them down and all of that and the, and the reality of joining and being a part of a church family, I pray that you would show up in a divine way. Would you give them courage and boldness? And Lord, for those of us who need reminded, uh, God, that you did the work for us. God, would we trust that? Would we have a security in you? And Lord, we thank you that you are a good father, that without you, none of this is possible. We pray this in Jesus' name.